Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell a story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshall guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. That's you. It's me. I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Well, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Becky. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it's really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are indeed tuned into Monday Night Talk. Coming to you live from Broadcast House. And uh, looking forward to more great conversation as we creep more so into 2023. Uh, before we get started, it's great. Everybody's here early. Um, full lineup of folks. I have, and it was by usually choice, whoever showed up first uh, was deemed co-host for the evening. So beating out State Senator Mike Brady is the Mad Dog, Matt Nelson, who's been here before. He's served in such a capacity. Uh, he's actually here to be part of our two festivities as we talk everything NFL. Uh, you name it, whether we are talking about the situation with DeMar Hamlin, uh, how what his effect, uh, his, the injury he suffered, how that affected the, NH, uh, the NFL for uh, not only the week leading up to these games that we played over the weekend, to ramifications for the playoffs. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the playoff structure for 2022. Patriots not making the playoffs. Not everybody's upset about that. Uh, favorites uh, for the AFC, NFC, et cetera, et cetera. So Matt is going to be here for that. Thank you for, for coming in for extra duty, Matt. Looking for a little bit of, of redemption after I was vilified four months ago. Oh, that's right. This is this. I will tell you, this is his uh, his second redemption tour. That's right. Uh, this is his second I'm one. Back for more. He's back for more, uh, and he's talking about none other than uh, the great Jerry Thornton, a writer with the Barstool Sports, author of From Darkness to Dynasty, and also Six Rings: The Super Bowl History of Your New England Patriots. Um, Keith Hayes was going to come in. Had a little bit of a had a little bit of a situation. He's going to call in, and then Situate's favorite son, WATD reporter Brendan Conley, who also writes for the for the Herald, will join us. He'll be part of that all that star-studded lineup. Hour number two, but that that doesn't mean that the first hour is not worthy of the conversation. Already here is state senator reelected. Uh, actually, he is uh, the newly elected to the Second Plymouth and Norfolk District. Previously, it was Second Plymouth and Bristol District, but because of redistricting, 
We're now calling it another name. So uh, he'll be joining us at 640. Uh, prior to that, we are expecting to hear from the new state auditor, uh, Diana DiZaglio, uh, former colleague of, of yours, Senator, yes? Yeah, that's true. I was honored to serve with new state auditor Diana, and uh, she did a great job serving with us in the House of Representatives as well as the State Senate, and I congratulate her on a victory as a newly elected state auditor. So uh, the senator's, uh, his segment is supposed to be at 640, but if there's a little bit of a, a delay in the auditor joining us, I don't see why we can't have the senator kind of just uh, join us and chat a lot to talk about with the senator being sworn in, what the festivities are like. We have a new administration, uh, new ideals. Um, talk a little bit about uh, increased uh, education for adults 25 years old and older. Budget expectations and all kinds of other good things we'll talk with the senator about. So we'll do that in a, a few minutes. You looking forward to that? Yes, whatever works. Thank you. And if you want, you do know that uh, that Eddie Tachi's birthday is coming up in a few days. So if you want to start warming up your voice and sing happy birthday to my pops again, you can do that. Only Senator I know. Well, the only thing, we don't want the listeners to turn off too early tonight if I start singing. So, But I, I wish your father happy birthday. How old will he be, Kevin? I think 82. God bless him. I miss we had uh, breakfast many moons back when I worked at Milan News in Brockton and long before I got involved with politics. Well, before there was Sandy's breakfast for many, many years. And then we still used to meet for breakfast when they lived in the district and um, when I got elected to the city council. But I think all those breakfasts put on a little weight because I was a lot thinner in those days. So, Yeah, but you know what? You used to burn it off because you went to every gosh darn event that was held in not only in your district but around the city well plus you know working at milano's i delivered down here in marshfield filling in roots with the local morning newspapers the herald the globe at four in the morning then later on we delivered magazines and i worked inside loading trucks and uh then i left there went back to school got in the insurance business i went to metropolitan life insurance school in rhode island and i was a life insurance agent for metlife and then i started my own business in 1995 and that's a crazy I had the notion of a public office, which I served on the school committee in 96, and then uh, the city council for 13 years. And then when Tommy Kennedy, my mentor and predecessor, moved on to become the state senator, I, I won a House seat and served there from 08 to 2015. And then, unfortunately, we lost Tommy. Mm -hmm. So I won a state senate seat in a special election in 2015. And like you mentioned, the district was called the Second Plymouth Bristol because mm -hmm. it had several towns in, in Plymouth County, including the city of Brockton and the town of Easton. But now Changed. they've added Avon in the southern end of Randolph, which I share with our good friend Senator Walter Timothy in the state senate. Yeah, I was thinking as you were kind of rattling off everything that you've done for the past 35 years plus, um, you're almost, you're, uh, almost a, a carbon copy of uh, a U.S. Cong U.S. representative Congressman Stephen Lynch, who blue collar guy himself, worked uh, worked his butt off to get where he where he's at. Uh, you're a blue collar state senator. Well, I thank you because I I am grateful to serve with Congressman Lynch and, and also Congressman Keating has part of my district, but um, and I end up presently now with Randolph, but. Um, I, I'm very fortunate to the people that supported me over the years, and some aren't with us. I'm glad Congressman Lynch is, but as I mentioned, like Tommy Kennedy and, 
and Mary Virginia Curtis. And, and before I get started, too, I, uh, I know yeah, I'm you be grateful. careful, because we're going to be due traffic in a second here. So I just wanted to thank the people in Hanover, Easton, and Plimpton that I've represented for the past several years. And I'm still keeping in contact with them, even though they are going to have new senators taken over this year. Mike Brady, who uh, is uh, tapped for 640, but you could get pushed up. We'll see what happens. If this thing called civilization was going to end, I think it would have ceased during one of the two world wars. My grandparents never gave up. They worked and lived till the bitter end, which wasn't bitter at all. Actually, it was sweet. Their life was sweet. I want my life the same. I want to work, coach my kids' soccer team, go out to eat after, and then come home to my bed where I can rest my bones. Then get up and do it all again tomorrow. That's what I want. That's what I'm working for. And that is my American dream. I can't do it alone. I need you. We need each other. We're all in this together, and together we can have our American dreams. As long as we're willing to do what is necessary to survive on this marble called Earth. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best smoke shop in Massachusetts and now New Hampshire. Brennan's Smoke Shop, customers must be 21 years of age or older and proper ID is required. Download the Monday Night Talk podcast from iTunes for free. Just search for Monday Night Talk WATD. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. I think the beauty of this particular radio program is is the uh, the possibilities of the different conversations that we're allowed to have with folks, whether it's just some of the folks who are here um, in Marshfield or Duxbury, elected officials, folks who are appointed, uh, folks who are elected to higher office to be able to come on and, and talk about what it is that they do. Uh, we've been privileged here on this radio show to speak our, to our next guest uh, a couple of different times uh, in her previous role as state senator as she was out on the campaign trail wearing out shoes and now as she's uh, on the cusp of, of being uh, sworn in or uh, her inauguration ceremony, which is going to take place, I believe, on January 18th. We have Diana DeZaglio, your state auditor, joining us. Auditor, welcome to Monday Night Talk. Hey, thanks so much, Kevin, for having me on. It is a pleasure to be on with the South Shore tonight. Thank you so much for the opportunity. How are you doing? Uh, how have the past few weeks been for you uh, getting acclimated to the office and the transition process? Yeah, thank you so much. So, um, so uh, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm Diana DiZaglio, uh, former state senator. Uh, I just had my last day in the state senate just a couple of days ago. Um, served in the legislature for 10 years, fighting for transparency, accountability, and equity. I'm humbled to have been elected to serve as your next state auditor, currently serving as auditor-elect as we await. Uh, the inauguration ceremony on January 18th. That will take place at 5.30 p.m. when the doors open. Uh, program starts promptly at 6 in Methuen, my hometown. Uh, and we're going to host the inauguration ceremony and swearing-in ceremony at my alma mater, Methuen High School. Uh, very exciting time. And all are invited. All are welcome. Want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to participate. Uh, everyone who wants an opportunity to participate is able to participate. Uh, and we'll, we will be streaming that virtually as well on my social media platforms. You can visit Diana for MA. 
D-I-A-N-A-F-O-R-M-A.com. That's D-I-A-N-A-F-O-R-M-A.com to get more information about those inaugural ceremonies. And we'll also be having an inauguration um, or a post-inauguration celebration afterwards at the Merrimack Valley Golf Club. You can check out my website for more details on that as well. But, hey, Kevin, I'm just so excited about the opportunity to be here with you right now. Um, as, as you know, you know, yes, I did get to come on uh, a few times uh, on WATD. It was an exciting opportunity to share my vision for the auditor's office and to share my audit plan, which is a social justice and equity audit plan focusing on auditing state agencies to make sure that we are getting uh, the best bang for our buck when it comes to everything from uh, transportation to education to housing to health care. Uh, to uh, climate change. We know that there are a host of important issues that are impacting working families across our state. We are paying uh, our fair share in taxes. We want to make sure that our tax dollars are getting spent wisely and used as efficiently and effectively as possible, and that our state agencies are receiving performance reviews that help them to better serve residents across the Commonwealth. I think about you know, the RMV and the situation that took place in Brockton not that long ago, right, where we saw potentially thousands get licenses uh, who actually uh, didn't apparently take a test or an exam. That's a huge public safety issue, and it's a huge accountability issue. Um, I committed to auditing the RMV to help in that regard to get to the bottom of where there are accountability measures that should be in place, uh, not just to protect our tax dollars, of course, of course, we need to protect our tax dollars, but also make sure that the processes and procedures and agencies such as RMV, for example, are actually providing the services they're intending to provide and protecting the public's safety. Uh, so we have a lot of work that we're, we're you know, getting started on in the, in the coming days, uh, post-inauguration. Uh, but the first uh, order of business is to find my desk. So <laughs> <laughs> we're excited about that first order of business. Once I find that desk, we can get to work. Have you? What has it been like taking in some of the other ceremonies, inauguration, seeing the new administration uh, take an oath, hearing from Governor uh, Healy? What has that all been like for you? And what's what's your role working with this administration? Yeah, look, it's been incredibly inspiring. I, I, I am humbled to be able to be part of this amazing slate of women coming in in leadership roles and the commonwealth of massachusetts has demonstrated they're ready uh, and excited for women of all ages and backgrounds to lead and that is incredibly inspiring i had the opportunity to sit with uh, uh our new governor and lieutenant governor and others um uh, you know uh, in in the uh the chamber recently at the state house during the inauguration ceremony for the swearing in it was wonderful to watch, and I can tell you that this administration is ready to get to work, and they're excited to get to work. They've already started with their meetings. They've already started making appointments. And, you know, the way that I look at working together with this administration is the same way that I've been working with, you know, administrations previously uh, and with the legislature previously. It's one of, uh, you know, professionalism and also, you know, one of uh, looking to support um, the initiatives that we, uh, you know, agree will help our communities and to uh, work together to provide those services to residents in need uh, to our best ability, to our, the best of our ability. 
but also to make sure that, you know, we're, we're doing our jobs on behalf of the residents that we were elected to do. And that means continuing to fight for transparency, accountability, and equity. And we will be conducting audits of various agencies uh, in this administration. Uh, and also, uh, you know, I've committed to in the past uh, conducting an audit of the legislature as well to make sure that even our state legislature is operating as efficiently and effectively as po- as possible. That's something that hasn't gotten audited um, in many years. Uh, it's long overdue for an audit and, uh, you know, looking forward to making sure that even our own state house, even, you know, Beacon Hill, uh, as we talk about these state agencies, that Beacon Hill itself um, is held to a, a standard of transparency and accountability. So I'm excited to get to work, though, with this with this next administration, supporting the vision of, you know, uh, fighting against climate change, fighting for clean energy initiatives, fighting for housing uh, that's affordable for everyday working people in the Commonwealth, making sure that we're fighting for robust job opportunities that afford people the opportunity to live with a standard of dignity in the communities that they're working hard to serve, fighting for, uh, you know, uh, adequate access to health care, for all, making sure we have robust mental health services and substance use disorder services, education, uh, that's a great education um, for for students, regardless of their family background, bank balance, or zip code. Uh, so it is going to take partnering. I'm excited to partner with this administration and continue to fight for transparency, accountability, and equity for all. Now, so I have, I don't know if you know, uh, after your segment, State Senator Mike Brady is going to be joining me. He usually joins me on a regular basis. Um, and I, I don't know if, Senator, you want to say hi to your former colleague? Absolutely. I want to congratulate the new auditor, Diana Zaglia, and it was an honor. We're going to miss you in the Senate, but you're just down the hall from us, and I'm looking forward to working with you. And I'm glad you brought up about the RMV because I represent the city of Brockton. It was a nightmare. Now, I'm a little older than the new auditor, but I remember back in the days at the registry the, when the lines were out the door and you're waiting 10 hours to get a permit or whatever but it started to get better but this year it was totally uncalled for the, what happened and I did get calls from constituents that some people said they took the test and they had to take it again because there was no proof they took it and then some obviously didn't take the test and they got their license or whatever they got and um, I'm glad that you're on the ball and, and taking the bull by the horns uh, to check out what's the problems with the... Uh, well, Senator you know? Brady, I'm going to interrupt really quick because I appreciate you thanking me, but I need to tell folks listening in that region that Senator Brady actually helped to lead the charge and making sure that I was aware of the situation that was occurring and that people needed help uh, alongside of Representative Dubois and others from the area um, who really raised the issue and made sure that, you know, uh, it was acknowledged by candidates at that time um, that this was an issue that needs to be uh, analyzed and uh, that accountability measures need to be in place. So um, you might forget that conversation, Senator Brady, but I do not. And I just want to say thank you uh, for being an advocate uh, for accountability in your community and especially regarding the RMV. And yes, I will miss being in the chamber with you, but I look forward to being right down the hall um, and partnering with you on filing legislation pertinent to some of the audits that we're going to be conducting. And uh, obviously, we have a great working relationship, and I would encourage anybody who, you know, has any um, information regarding different agencies that you'd like to pass on uh, that you think, you know, you have information that could be helpful in upcoming audit opportunities, 
you know, please feel free to contact me, but also uh, feel free to contact Senator Brady as, you know, he'll be working with our office as well on making sure that these accountability uh, measures do take place. So I also have a, I have a co-host this evening. His name is Matt Nelson. And Matt's a, also a, a, a big fan is when we did a, um, a production for local cable, he was the, uh, the, the, the production guy behind the scenes helping make, make things happen when we did our, our interview. Um, what's your question, Matt? Hello, Auditor. Congratulations on the, uh, on the election win. Thanks, Matt. So I was actually introduced to you on the, uh, on the shores of the mighty Merrimack River um, when <laughs> you organized uh, with Senator Kennedy up there a, a kayaking tour to promote a bill that you guys were working on. Uh, so my question is, how are you going to... You, you've always been about advocacy and and really putting everything you have behind everything you do. How are you going to build on your experience as a, as a state legislature and take that and build on it into the auditor's office? Yeah, I mean, great question. And just for listeners, um, <laughs> thank you for reminding me, Matt. Uh, uh, some of us up in the Merrimack Valley, in the North Shore, way up here, thanks for allowing me to talk in the South Shore, um, but we actually went on a 117-mile kayaking trip uh, down the Merrimack River, starting up in New Hampshire uh, and going all the way out to, uh, you know, the mouth of the river into the ocean, um, which actually was the end of my Senate district, because like I just said, I, I was a senator, um, the end of the Senate district that I represented, the first Essex district, and it ended in uh, Plum Island, Newburyport, went out into the ocean. And the reason why we kayaked down the river was to highlight the need to protect our rivers across Massachusetts, but in particular to highlight uh, the environmental concerns around our, our drinking water and, you know, uh, our rivers as just, you know, even even um, you know, even as a recreational opportunity for folks, right? I mean, um, making sure that they're safe, that they're clean, uh, and that infrastructure surrounding the river uh, is contributing to that. We have this issue up in the Merrimack Valley with sewage spills going into our river, which is where our region gets our drinking water from. And it's been a significant concern for residents. Obviously, it's a public health issue. It's a public safety issue. Uh, and we've, we've had tremendous challenges getting the financial resources to be able to correct the infrastructure around the river uh, so that those combined sewage overflows, which is sewage from people's bathrooms and homes, uh, you know, coming into the river that's untreated uh, sewage. Uh, when a storm happens, what happens is a lot of these, these, these uh, water treatment plant facilities lose power or uh, there are overflows that occur due to a tremendous amount of water from stormwater uh, coming up that causes um, uh, the, the stormwater uh, from the roads and, um, and other places to actually funnel into the, the river as well. So it's combined right? So combined sewage overflow, and that goes into the rivers, and it contaminates the rivers, and it makes it, um, you know, not safe at times to, pretend, you know, swim in, and, and uh, you know, there was a concern about, about drinking water. So we did this trip to raise awareness around this, and it was 117 miles. I, my arms were dead after about an hour. I'm just going to be real with you, and I thought to myself, how am I going to make it down the river? Um, but we made it, and uh, we did that to highlight the need, and we, we, we did so effectively. 
you know, we were able to secure a significant amount of resources. We were able to uh, raise awareness around this uh, so that we actually helped to uh, contribute to the passage of a bill filed by uh and Senator Brady, you know that uh, Senator Jalen filed a bill around combined sewage overflow. I know that you were a big supporter of that. Um, but these these efforts actually assisted in the passage of that legislation um, to make sure that we have timely notification about sewage spills. And also, it also assisted in efforts to uh, get the attention of Congress regarding some infrastructure funds to come back to be able to assist as well regarding, uh, you know, the situations that I just discussed. So. Uh, regarding the auditor's office, look, I'm going to bring the same passion. I'm going to bring the same advocacy uh, at a statewide level now with a greater platform and a stronger voice to be able to advocate for issues like this in the auditor's office and with the ability to delve into some of the work being done at, you know, DEP and DCR, Department of Conservation and Recreation, or make sure that we have the the necessary, you know, uh, performance audits in place to make sure that DCR is operating at the level it should be and that our, you know, beautiful uh, uh, state parks and beaches and rivers and, you know, all of the above are getting the resources that they need um, and, you know, looking forward to getting to getting to work on those things. But I can't do it without the support of residents um, and advocates from our communities reaching out, letting us know what's happening, letting us know about your concerns, letting us know about different challenges that you've had with different agencies where we need more awareness around circumstances impacting your community or your family. So please let us know. Uh, we do have a feedback form on my website. I will say thank you for your patience in advance because I'm not in the office yet. Uh, so I do not have uh, uh, the staff available yet to be able to uh, go through all of these requests until after the 18th of January. Uh, but if you want to start sending those in now, we can start taking a look at some of the things you send in and you can just go to the feedback section on my dianaforma.com website and let us know about some of your ideas. Let us know about some of the things that you'd like us to start looking into. We welcome the feedback. Yes, yeah, the the people's auditor wants, the, wants your feedback. Go to diana4ma.com that's the the website we hope senator that we uh we hope that uh you being the outgoing senator to be sworn in uh, or be your inaugural uh day the 23rd uh, i'm sorry the 18th that once this all happens that we can have you on you know maybe quarterly just to kind of give an update as to some of the things that you have been working on how things are going with your 17 point social justice and equity audit plan is going did you find your desk and some of the other things that <laughs> some of the other things that go on in the uh, in in your office and how you maybe how your first 100 days have went if that's possible love to for have sure. you back yeah, on for sure and and make you know invite invite us back and love to come on senator brady could come on as well we could talk about partnering with the legislature on different you know areas of uh you know legislation that we're working on together uh you know folks have also asked me i just want to end with this um you know, you've been a senator, you've been a state representative, Diana, and now you're moving into the auditor's role. And just to kind of piggyback, Matt, on what you were saying earlier about, you know, how do you plan on continue, continuing in that advocacy? A lot of folks think that, you know, once you become the auditor, you don't get to work on legislation anymore. And thankfully, that's not the case, actually. Um, the audits that we do uh, oftentimes will lead to the filing of legislation by working together with folks in the legislature. So 
we'll, you know, for example, identify some needs in a different, you know, in, in, a, in an agency, and then we will recommend actions be taken to remedy some of the concerns and the challenges that that agency is facing. And uh, oftentimes we will partner with, uh, you know, a colleague in the legislature who is willing to take up that, uh, pick up that, that, that torch and carry that torch on that issue. You know, if it's something that impacts their locality or if it's something that they're passionate about, and we still get to work on those legislative initiatives, uh, very much so. So I'm looking forward to continuing that work alongside of Senator Brady, who's on this call now, uh, follow, following up on this conversation, and then uh, all of you who are willing to partner with our office. You know, it doesn't matter who you voted for, uh, Republican, Democrat, Green Rainbow, Workers' Party, Libertarian, whatever uh, party affiliation, unenrolled, um, you know, uh, the campaigns are all over. It's time to get to work. I'm looking forward to working with each and every one of you who is willing to partner with our office to help to contribute to the Commonwealth. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity. It's incredibly humbling, and I'm ready to get to work. So thanks so much, uh, Kevin and Matt, for having me on today. And look forward to coming back uh, very soon. You got it. There she is, uh, your state auditor. Diana DeZaglio uh, joining us. Uh, best of luck, uh, Diana. And I look forward Thanks to... Thanks so much. Take uh, care, everybody. Yeah, and I look forward to continuing to work with you, uh, auditor like DeZaglio. And congratulations again. I know you're going to take the bull by the horns and, and do a great job moving forward. So thank you. Thanks so much, Senator Brady. All right, we'll see you all soon. Take you got care. it. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to give the state senator his chance to do his segment uh, right here on Monday Night Talk for the 95.9 WATV. is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Hello, I'm Erin McGue, Executive Director of Fuller Craft Museum. Our mission is to excite your senses and help you discover the wonderful, accessible world of contemporary craft art. Our museum is open to the public six days a week and is free admission for everyone every day. We're located at 455 Oak Street in Brockton, right off of Route 24. Please visit our website at fullercraft.org. By the middle of the week, so much news has come your way, you need your own team to sort it out. Lucky for you, there's Jared Valenzola and the JV team to talk about the things you've heard and catch you up on some things you might not know. I'm Jared Valenzola. Join me and my guests as we have fun with current events and try to put things into perspective each week. Sponsored by Corey Welch of Boom Realty. Catch the JV team every Wednesday night at 6.15 here on 95.9 WATD. Download the Monday Night Talk podcast from iTunes for free. Just search for Monday Night Talk WATD. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, we, we are back and the conversation continues as uh, now it's a chance for a one-on-one uh, one -one conversation with State Senator Mike Brady. Um, I know you, you, had, you, you wanted to ask her more, but she is full of so much energy and wants to do so much. We, you know, we were more or less, uh, more kind of just kind of listening to some of the things and ideas and ideals that she's hoping to carry through with once she finally is sworn into office. Uh, let's talk about you getting getting sworn in. 
Thank you, Kevin. And I, I do want to congratulate uh, auditor electors again. Um, you know, we had a lot of good history in the state auditor's offices. Joe Danucci, former boxer, but he ran that office very efficiently for many years. And then, of course, uh, Suzanne Bump, yep. who was a, a legislator at one point before she became auditor. And I know uh, the new auditor elect will do a great job. And transparency is a big issue, and she's been on top of that ever since she got elected to the state house. So I'm looking forward to working with her. But as far as my uh, role, I, we did get sworn in the other day on Wednesday. The state Senate and the state House of Representatives mm -hmm. got sworn in, then the governor... Joint did, session. Yes, and then the, the governor-elect and the lieutenant governor got sworn in on Thursday. And uh, we're looking forward to a, a new session. I am honored. I served as chairman of public service for the past couple of years and vice chairman of economic development and serving the Veterans Committee. And we've got a lot of important legislation that we're going to be filing this year. Fortunately, the Commonwealth has been reaping the rewards of a good surplus of funding, and that was good for the taxpayers as well because it was a law that was put in place in 1986, and people got money back in their taxes, which helped because uh, a lot of people are suffering out there. As we know, food prices have gone through the roof, gas prices, home heating oil, so we've got to address that. And as was mentioned in our past conversation, um, we got to have more adequate housing, and not just low-income housing, but market-rate housing, because there's a lot of people that start off in the workforce that they may be a teacher, a firefighter, a police officer. They're not making a lot of money when they first start out, and it's tough for anybody. And they're not seniors. They're, they're in these big, older homes. They're empty nesters, mm. and they may not want to move into a so-called uh, housing authority senior housing building, but they would like something that's more... Fixed house, you mean you mean like rent control, fixed housing? Oh, you know, just even like, like we don't have a lot of land in Brockton, but some of the towns I represent, East Bridgewater and some of the other towns, they have more land, and there's a lot of, almost like a gated community where they can have an right. independent house, right. and they don't have to worry about shoveling the snow or plowing the, mowing the lawn or whatever, but um, they still have their independence, and it's a little more efficient and so forth. So that'll help open up other housing units. And we do have one in Brockton at the old Kmart, uh, I'm sorry, the old uh, Skyview Drive. And, <laughs> but um, but then, uh, again, as I mentioned, there's not a lot of open land space. We have been fortunate to convert a lot of our downtown buildings in the city of Brockton and other communities to convert. There were empty, vacant office space or factories that they converted those into market rate housing. And they're so efficient and beautiful with nice modern appliances, etc. And we've done a lot of that work, and that's been a lot of both federal and state funding. Yeah, you get costs. a lot, a lot of work that's being done. Commercial streets, uh, the old music studio there on the corner of Montello, and is it Center Street, I believe? Yeah, the, the, the old Dunkin' Donuts is. Yeah, the old United Furniture Building. The old United and, and Furniture they, Building. Yeah, like, like you said, they had studios for bands. I played in a band up there. Never made any money in those days, not, but but uh, we, we're lucky if you played on the ranch house in Marshall, you might get ten of your friends to show up. <laughs> but uh, a lot of good memories. But that is being developed. The old um, Petronelli Way with Marvin Hagler and the Petronelli Gym. He trained there. Sure. That's being developed. Where the old Kresge Five and Ten building, and for those people that are on my age, that remember the Five Rocked and Ten store. Company. Yeah, and but the apartments upstairs are beautiful and all. Is that Sycamore on Main though? Is that what it's called? Uh, it's Frederick Douglass Avenue. But the, no, no, the no, building, no, 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 no. What I'm saying though is, is the building itself. Yeah, the building itself. When because because uh, you know I had a memory when we had uh, the Lieutenant Governor on last Monday, and the one thing that I remember the last time I, saw, I actually saw her in person, or one of the last times, was um, there was a groundbreaking. Uh, late mayor Bill Carpenter was there, and it was the project itself was called Sycamore That's on Main. That's correct. Yeah, and and she was there, and that they were touting that it was going to be commercial. 
uh, commercial on the first floor, but then it'll be all residential uh, apartments above. Absolutely. And those those apartments are unbelievable. And even um, up the street, uh, I'm trying to think of the old Robertson Appliance on the corner of Green and Main. Oh, yeah. We just toured that. And um, th those apartments are unbelievable looking. So I'd be happy to live in any one of those if I didn't have the house I have on Ellis Street in Brockton. But uh, things are looking good. And, um, yeah, but we've still got a lot of things to address. You know, the homelessness situation is tough. Um, mental health is a big issue. We did pass some legislation this past year to deal with mental health. But the addiction situation, I mean, uh, when COVID hit, people were meeting virtually. It doesn't work. You need one-on-one -on -one help or in group settings, and that's a big issue. Uh, just because COVID was here, it didn't stop the addiction crisis we're still facing. We did pass some legislation to address that and put some funding into it, but we still got to do more on that because I've heard from many, many families out there that are dealing, whether it's an addiction issue or they have mental health that they never tried an illicit drug in their life, but their children to deal with mental health issues. That's a big, serious issue that we're going to be addressing. We did pass some legislation this past term, but we've got to stay on top of it moving forward. Uh, again, uh, State Senator Mike Brady here. Uh, Senator, uh, a, uh, another Brocktonian who is my co-host this evening. Of course, he's wearing his, uh, his Brockton pride on his chest. Matt Nelson. Uh, Matt, I'm sure there's a question you may have for the Senator. So first and foremost, uh, yes, I am representing Boxer Nation tonight. Uh, my ma from, from Ward 5, uh, it says she wanted me to, to deliver the message to you that she appreciates you and all that you're doing. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate you wearing your Brockton Boxers uh, sweatshirt. By accident, it was the only but clean now, shirt he had. In fact, <laughs> when I was in high school, I was too thin to even try out for the football team, and we were spoiled in those years because we had some... Great friends. I was just with uh, Tom Dinopoulos, who played on the Brocktonite team, and he's now a local attorney in Brockton. But I represent several other towns where, the, like Randolph, for instance, now they just won a championship in their football team and their basketball team this year. First time, and I was very honored to attend both the, the game that they played um, for the football team as well as the basketball team. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm grateful to the new people that I'm serving, and I serve with Senator Timothy as far as the Senator in Randolph, as well as Bruce Ayers and uh, Representative Driscoll, who split Randolph and serve on the House side with us. So my question is, the, the is transportation basically your take? So the roads are already in mid-season form as far as potholes go. Potholes. And, uh, and everybody knows the issues with the T. So talk about how those things are going to start to get fixed and... Uh, kind of some of the progress that's been made as far as uh, both the T and, and fixing the roads? Well, uh, I'll start with the T first because, as you know, in the governor's address, uh, in her inaugural address the other day when she got sworn in, she mentioned about uh, addressing the T issue, which has been a nightmare going on for many, many years. But she also mentioned hiring new employees there. And uh, they need more employees because, you know, you gotta, it needs a team to get the work done on that. Um, so that's an important issue. As far as the roads go, now we get three sources of funding. We get federal money, which is community development block grants. That's generally for the less fortunate, poorer areas. Then we get Chapter 90 money. That's from the state. And we've increased funding for Chapter 90 every year. It's given to the local communities, and then they decide where the roads are most needed to be fixed. And then sometimes in local municipalities, if they have the funding locally, they, they spend money on roads. And... Um, Again, good news that the, the revenue has been there on the state and the revenue has been increasing, so we've delivered more and more funding 
to the cities and towns that we all represent. And we just passed a supplemental economic bill of $6.4 billion that's across the Commonwealth to get more funding to these cities and towns that we represent. Because I believe you, I, uh, I used to have an old Blaze that I drove that actually had more suspension, better suspension than the new vehicle I have now, or newer vehicle I have in the uh, Chevy Equinox. But I feel every bump out there when I'm driving down the road. And even what happened with the gas stations recently, and I forget the name of the gas station, but they poured the wrong fuel. It was supposed to be Supreme, and they put diesel and everyone's cars uh, stalled and died. And luckily, that I, I did. Was that a Ward Five gas station? I think it might have been. It, well, it was a it was a chain, uh, and I forget the name yeah, of the yeah, station. Yeah. But I do. I don't know if I want to out them. <laughs> but they did. Um, they stayed on top of it, and they did say that they are going to reimburse the people for any work that needs to be done on the vehicles and to get their engine catalytic converters and all that mm. cleaned. And that's an issue too with stolen catalytic converters. We passed legislation after these people that are stealing because they're hot on the open market and also the people they bring it to these these so-called um, used parts dealers or whatever you want to call them junk dealers they got to document everything that they receive in their shops to make sure where they're getting the, the, the particular parts from and reselling it I get it. So I, I didn't know if you were going to ask him because he was dying to ask the uh, state auditor elect about oh, where yes. she's going to get a roast beef Maybe this is your opportunity to ask him a bar pizza question super quick. Well, everybody already knows the answer. So, well, so the, you never know. The, the question I was going to pose to uh, Auditor-Elect DeZoglio was, uh, the South Shore's got bar pizza, and she's a North Shore girl, so the North Shore's got roast beef sandwiches. It's going to have her name drop, her go-to place for a roast beef sandwich. So I'll ask you, where's, where's your go-to place for, for social bar well, pizza? As you can tell, it's got to be I've, Cape I've Cod. put a lot of the weight on over the years. I have a lot of great pizza places in my district. Now that I have Randolph, the Linwood is in my Randolph. district. That's and, right. But the, like you said, the Cape Cod, Cape Brockton, the original barroom pizza recipe was, no, uh, the Brockton Cafe. Oh, yeah, and then, BC, right? then the town Spar and Stoughton, which I don't represent, Stoughton got a little version of that in the Cape Cod Cafe. They all have their unique pizzas. But And then the Ambets in Randolph now that's on the edge of my district, they have a great Always pizza another too. classic. Yeah, so... Um, and, and our schedule sometimes, you know, when you're at meetings late, that's the only... Uh, either pizza or Chinese food is the only thing open, but... And I try to stay away from the fast McDonald's and all that. Yeah. But even uh, restaurants now, because of everything going on, and they've had lack of being able to hire help in a lot of these places since COVID hit and, and continuing now, people can't get the help. So a lot of restaurants are not open anymore. And sometimes when you get home from Boston after a meeting at 9 or 10 at night, those are the only places that are open. So, uh, But I, I grew up with all those places in my neck of the woods. So... Um, I love all kinds of pizza, and I, I had, I have to confess, I was, I had pizza for lunch today at the Home Cafe in Brockton. So, um, I think he hit all the high spots, didn't he? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you're, you, you grew up right down the street from, uh, from the cot. Yeah, the original. Uh, they, all of those places were within a walking distance. So, uh, yeah. and a lot of great memories. And you know, then we had the Lebanese. Uh, food out the Lebanese pub on Center Street. They're now in Easton. It's uh, so they get it to go and so forth. And now we have a lot of new uh, other restaurants like Gino's is a Haitian restaurant in Brockton. He's he's a great gentleman. Him and his wife Belange and there's different ethnicities that have moved into to be the new owners of these local establishments. And Dave Tixero, who's the city council in Brockton, has a nice restaurant down the south side of town that. 
he cooks the steaks right on a, a cooking stone like they'll bring it out to and it's unbelievable so we have a lot of good restaurants we we don't have too many big places i know like tuto benny's um is is uh, still in Brockton, but you know christo's moved to whitman they they are mainly to go. Uh, we miss Chris Saganis, but I know his daughter does a good job running mm -hmm. that place. And there's Mama Mia's in the district, and so many great places. So I have to ask you, and this is in regards to to businesses. We have a few minutes left here. Um, you're hearing more and more about restaurants closing because a they can't find uh, employees, and because the cost of goods to be able to prepare the foods, uh, and so many different so different issues when it comes to regulations um it, can anything be done on the in regards to the state legislature when it comes comes to local business especially when we're talking about the mom and pop restaurants because it seems as though that more and more we're seeing restaurants close because they just can't afford to you know it's it's tough enough to make a buck you know uh making the food but when you don't have the help and when the costs keep going up you know you gotta you gotta make a decision and go. Do I want to continue not making money and and um, not being able to make a good product, or do I go find another line of work? You bring up a great point. And the COVID pandemic was a was a drastic hit to a lot of our businesses. But and we're still not out of the woods, as you know. Some of the schools in certain communities are requiring masks. Uh, the the the, the mask to be put on. Some are leaving it up to the families. But um, and every winter it gets worse because you're more indoors and not getting fresh air like in the summertime. Mm. But a lot of businesses have suffered. Fortunately, I was able to help a lot of businesses that applied for grants that we got a lot of money from our federal government to sure. help out the small business. It's a one uh, shot, though. It, it helped them out. But there is a lot of businesses that have suffered and they're still not out of the woods. And some have been starting to open up again, and that's great news. But they have had a tough time finding help. I know that, uh, you know, there was a law passed that the minimum wage goes up, but again, <coughs> the businesses still have to pay for their help. They have to pay for their, their lights, their heat, their gas, liability insurance, all of the above. So uh, I think we've got to come up with some more legislation to help ease the burden on these small businesses because, like you said, they're the minor part of the bread and butter right. of our communities. Right, and that's not, that's, that's not <coughs> to mention not only the cost of purchasing the raw materials to make the food, but then when gas is going up, electricity is going up, again, these are it's the crunch of trying to stay in business and do what you love or say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this at a loss and I need to, need to step away. And, and same with homeowners, too, because of home heating oil costs, or gas prices have gone through the roof, and we've got to find a way. You know, I'm all for the environment, and I'm all for um, moving it to green energy and all that, but... We've got to find alternative ways to help these uh, residents out. Folks want to uh, reach out to constituents, how can they do that, Senator? They can call me at 617-722-1200. That's my office. And then they can reach me at michael.brady at masenate.gov. And as uh, Rod, too, has mentioned, we are filing legislation, so the deadline is, is January 20th. So if anybody wants me to file legislation, please get in contact with me. W-A-T-T-F-M Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. Each year, about one out of two men and one out of three women will develop cancer. But there's good news. Today's cancer survival odds are much better than two or even three years ago. 
things move that fast. So if you're diagnosed, be sure to have someone in your corner who is on top of all the latest cancer treatments and techniques, the latest research, the newest equipment, all the newest medicines available through clinical trials. And speaking of corners, here's more good news. Advanced Cancer Care is now just around the corner. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare treats patients locally with all oncology services and specialties conveniently housed under one roof. The center is affiliated with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, so you'll be seen by Harvard medical faculty physicians and oncologists. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare in affiliation with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Cancer has just met its match. Find out why at mysignaturecare.org slash cancercare. You like my new car? I like that new car smell. What is that infernal binging? Oh, it's part of the driver assist. Standard equipment nowadays. Assist? Yeah, watch. Hey, cut that out. You're, you're way too close. Yeah, it's, it's telling me that. See the text? Watch out. What was that? You were driving too close. That truck snapped back a rock. And now I have a cracked windshield? You know, your mother was a way better driver assist. Please, kindly check your windshield. I'm Peter Brown from Tiny and Sons Glass. We replace your windshield and insurance pays. 1-888-64-TINIES. Just call and thank you. Download previous episodes of Monday Night Talk and listen to them anywhere. Check out 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right. We want to uh, thank, of course, um, State Auditor-Elect uh, Diana DeZoglio and State Senator Mike Brady for being our guest in the first hour. Hour number two, gloves are off. We had to talk a little NFL, so we brought in some of the experts, or some of those who are masquerading as experts. We start with the Mad Dog, Matt Nelson, who is, uh, he actually does uh, work for Division One Stonehill. Skyhawks. The Skyhawks. Uh, he's also probably one of the few people I know who can call probably eight different sports accurately and know the rulings for a lot of different things. I think he's going to acquire ninth with the equestrian that they do over there at Stonehill. We're working on that. We're working on that. Just depends on if he knows, you know, the jumps, the points, the leaps, all that. I just learned that they're they're called shows, not games. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. But the little piles that they leave on the ground still manure, so remember that, okay? And we also have uh, the pride of Situate, Massachusetts. The King Sailor himself, also uh, WATD Sports, and the Boston Herald, not to name, just probably four or five other hats that he wears. Brendan Conley joins us. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well this evening. Uh, evening, Kevin, how are you? Pretty good. And, of course, our headliner for the card, uh, none other than the author of From Darkness to Dynasty, First 40 Years of the New England Patriots, and... If you had five rings, hope you hopefully you went out and bought six rings. Uh, Super Bowl history of the New England Patriots. That's right. He's an author. Also, writer with Barstool Sports, none other than Jerry Thornton. Yeah, and who is knowledgeable in exactly two sports, NFL football and uh, figure skating. So, uh, 
I say that unironically. He, like, he and, does. That was the, one of the first things when <laughs> we were at WBET. Uh, Jerry was uh, at, it was one time you actually hard copy, right? It's instead of the digital. Oh, I started with Barstool back Barstool when we were it? just a newspaper and had a very small um, digital platform. Like, you know, our, our original... Um, issues were in PDF format. I used to apologize to people like when I would send them uh, the link. But yeah, I started, I would sometimes write about figure skating, partly because I, I actually do follow the sport and also cool. because it would make people's brains explode. It was so much fun. What is this? Like, you're right about Johnny Weir like he's Muhammad Ali. What are you doing? Because I really am a huge fan of his. But anyway, uh, and yet, yet we digress. No, it's a... Uh, been a tough, uh, tough few weeks to be a, a Patriots fan, I, I must say. And although, just as I was feeling sorry for myself after the game, I stuck around and watched sixty minutes, and you realize, you know, Prince Harry really has it hard. You know, is it so bad to be a Patriots fan when you see the way he's suffering in Montecito with his staff of servants and generational wealth? So I'm starting to feel a little bit better about my own situation, but that was a uh, that was a tough game. When we look back a week ago from today, I remember turning it on because usually I like to watch the Monday night games, and there was this this somber mood when you get the Susie Colburn and, and you know the they're in the studio and it's like wait how come is this is it halftime already and and there was a significant event that took place where. He had someone who went into cardiac arrest while making a football play. Talked about Damar Hamlin. Um, any of you guys have a chance to witness this? What was your thoughts in regards to the situation? And do you feel like it might have impacted the weekend tilt because of this player's health? Well, I was watching it live, as as you would imagine I, I, I was doing. There was a lot riding on that game. It was also a really exciting game. And... Uh, Personally, I had a flashback to as a young lad on an August night when all the normal kids were out playing in the neighborhood and I was sitting inside with my brothers watching a preseason game where Daryl Stingley took the worst, most unforgivable, egregious cheap shot I've ever seen in my life. And you knew in an instant this was bad. It went beyond like, wow, he got his bell rung. Like, wait, something's not right here. And, um... You know, Stingley, obviously, you know, he never walked again. Um, that game just went on. They carted him off the field, and they just kept playing. And, again, it was a preseason game. It meant nothing to anyone, but it, it cost this young man the his ability to walk. And he lived an incredible life of, you know, service and, and charity work and never walked again. But it, it felt like that. And then Belichick had a really great analogy that he – because he's, like, walking – historian. He's he's Pliny the Elder of uh, football and he talked about um, something happening when he was with the Jets in 1997 to uh, a, a guy from uh, the the Lions who wore a halo brace for a while and but is, is still with us. And mm-hmm. You know, with Hamlin, we still don't know what the exact cause was. There's been speculation, but the doctors have been really silent on that and it, I find that a little unsettling because you know, when, when it happened to uh, Ryan Shazier from Pittsburgh a few years ago, and he ended up being fine, but we got we were getting daily updates. Mm. So I still don't know. Like, was it just this freakish 
blow to his heart? Was it some pre-existing condition? I mean, I think we have a right to know. But the important thing is the story since then has been wildly positive, and he's made a miraculous recovery. And, you know, he's even talking about maybe playing football again. Let's slow our roll on that. But, right. you know, it's, uh, yeah, it was it was really unsettling. And nobody knew what to do. You know, the the league didn't know. The, was, there's no template for this and uh, i think they've made the the best bad decisions they could if that makes sense like i'm giving them credit like there's no right answer whatever they decide to do going forward with a reconfigured playoff format or whatever someone's going to be un- unhappy oh, but yeah. we put this kid's health ahead of everything else and that's the way it should be quick, sh- quick shout out to espn for the coverage during that that yeah, was uh, it was exceptional yeah. Not not an easy thing to do, and they were able to do so. Uh, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you, well. you don't want to you don't want to be guessing and, and putting out the wrong information. You want to kind of be careful, you know, because you know you don't want to erroneously say something might be happening. You know that this individual, because a lot of people were like, "Going is this is this individual going to, you know, be with us in an hour, or two hours, or three hours?" And it's like, "Oh, let's just wait and see what happens." And, and folks did that, but. Yeah, it was good to kind of see that that humanity kind of stepped in. Uh, people donating like like crazy to Hamlin's. Uh, he's, he's got like a, a little um, a nonprofit where he gives out toys to kids, and yep. I mean, people have donated what like eight million dollars, which is which is fantastic. Uh, and uh, you know, some kids are going to get reap reap from that. But I kind of feel as though. I want you know th- that his injury is good. what had happened to him had an effect on the weekend, the slate of games, even the Patriots game. I kind of feel like the Patriots game there was there was this this you know stigmatism that hung over the game. I mean, I think it really did actually have an impact of sorts. Now, first, let's say off the top, we're all glad that Demar Hamlin's doing much better. He's basically gone from essentially passed out on the field for nine minutes, worst case scenario, to now possibly making a full recovery here. So I think that's the biggest and most important thing of all. Um, But I think the injury did impact this game because it just felt like the Bills, at least offensively, weren't really in sync. They weren't fully out there. Now, they made some big plays in the second half to eventually get the win, but they weren't really clicking on all cylinders. Really, the big difference here was the fact that the special teams choked this one away, I think, gave up those two touchdowns to a journeyman in Naheem Hines, and that really cost you this time. Yeah, in a league that has done everything they can to basically outlaw kickoff returns mm, you know like like I, i'm don't be surprised if in a few years the kickoff return is just a thing that they sort of do via twitch feed on a, off a madden game like the two yeah the two special teams coaches just a hand at a controller and whatever and um that that opening kick and i i look i don't want to get too like philosophical here but there are those moments where if you really truly love sports, you acknowledge that sometimes there's like the metaphysical involved. You know, I was, I was glad like that divine people, inter- intervention. Yeah, or something like something. You know, however, whatever your belief system is, that mm. there are times when, like, there's a higher plane of existence that sort of reveals itself through the games that we watch. You know, and and Adam Schefter immediately re- made the correct reference, which was uh, uh, the guy Steve Glennon from uh, the first game in New Orleans after Katrina, and he blocked a punt and got a touchdown out of it, and there's a statue of him now. And, you know, the, we've all seen these things where you sit there and say, 
boy, you know, some there's something else at, at play here, and that sort of felt like it. Having said that, tackle the guy. <laughs> you have Tony Tony Romo out there saying, like, It's magical. It's a storybook ending. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I'm sitting there going, no, I'm down seven points. <laughs> like, someday maybe I'll look back fondly at, like, what the higher meaning of this is. But, geez, you know, uh, Pierre Strong, could you have, like, done more than just reach out at him with your fingers? And then the second kick, I, I rewatched the replay several times. Nobody made contact with him until 35 yards up the field, and it was Miles Bryant who got trucked <laughs> like he was trying to stop a snowplow that had lost its brakes. There's <laughs> Just, nobody who does worse against the Buffalo Bills than Miles Bryant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He sort of uh, he didn't invent the art of playing badly against them, but he has perfected it. But he'll be back on the roster next year because, you know, he comes at a low cost. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It comes at a pretty pretty high cost. You say something, Matt? So, tonight is my uh, my revenge tour. As the four of us oh. sat here four months ago, oh boy. I was vilified. I was did my own mother disowned me. She wrote me out <laughs> of the will three weeks. because I insulted Bill Belichick as a general manager. I demand apologies. <laughs> Uh, I've also written you out of my will, so uh, no. Well, that's fair. <laughs> but I mean, as a as a general manager, I, I, I mean, let's face it, he hasn't won an executive of the year award since the last one. He won. He won last year. Um, you know, there's that. I, 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 I we're probably too soon to start looking ahead to the to next season. But I do feel good about this rookie class. Um, you know, some of those moves worked out, some of them not. Like, I am personally going down to Foxborough with a contractor bag to help Nelson Aguilar um, empty out his locker. Um, but, you know, I, I, I love both Joneses that they that they drafted. Um, you know, there's there, there is a lot of good here. Clearly, Ramondre Stevenson was a grand slam pick. You know, there's the, there are moves. Yeah, they, he's got to keep it up. But should this, guys, should this team, should this Patriots team have clearly made the playoffs? Would you have wanted them to win yesterday only to get run over next weekend? You know, at, at this point, it was a mercy kill. And I mean, I don't think there's a man, woman, or child in your in your listening audience right now that when the schedule came out in May looked and said, oh, week 18, January 8th at Buffalo, that's a W. You know, so when they had to win to get in, like, I, I had no expectations. And then when there was that other path where if Miami and Pittsburgh both lost and they lost, they get in, like, like why? You know what I mean? Do we At some point, we just have to, like, take old, yeah, take old Yeller out back behind the barn with a shotgun, <laughs> you know? Little little wait, oh yellow dies? Yeah, yeah. Little little hamburger at the end of the barrel and like here you go. Have a have a bite. Um because yeah, they they weren't gonna be getting any better. Having said that, they finished eight and nine and came in third in the AFC East. Tom Brady's Buccaneers went eight and nine and won the division. They're gonna host the playoff game. <laughs> That's now, insane. I know. And I wanna That's lose ridiculous. my mind about it, but how many times was the AFC East Hot garbage, and the Patriots benefited from it. You know, lots of times it's just kind of the vagaries of of the league. But there's always yeah. one of those divisions of football, though. It was the NFC East for years? Someone would get in absolutely with with an eight and eight record, yeah, or less, or less, or less. Now it, it's us. It, now in the it's AFC us. East. 
No, not really. There was, there was a point in time, halfway through the season, all four AFC East teams were in a playoff spot. Yep. It's yep. true. Right. But do we do we like the playoff structure? Brent, uh, Brendan? I mean, I think it's a little convoluted. It makes for a more entertaining products for teams that are not going to be in it consistently. Teams that aren't going to contend for a Super Bowl. There are some benefits to it, but... I think it waters down the product. It provides one bad playoff game. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I think they had hit perfect equilibrium and kept it there for about, what, 20 years where it's, okay, six teams, two get the week off, two host a game, two are lucky to get in there. I, there was just a, an ecosystem that was in beautiful balance, and then they decided to add one, and so now you've got that extra game, and you've got three games. I, having said that, am I going to not watch the no. that that extra game? Like, no. hell, hell, no. hell to the no. I just, I didn't like the plan that they came up with in the wake of canceling the Bills-Bengals game, that one that was like paragraphs long and it made no sense. And if this happens and that, it's up, at some point it was just like Willy Wonka just going, you stole fizzy lifting drinks, et cetera, et cetera, ex post facto, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it, it just make it simple. Like, just keep it winning percentage or whatever. No one can complain, but that's... You know, what's that expression about the a camel is a, a horse that was built by a committee. And they a committee got together and they said, what can we do that's not going to get us criticized? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> excellent gene. A dromedary or? Ex- excellent Gene Wilder, by the way. Really? Oh, I was just kind of wondering. That was impressive. Impressive. It was very good. Was wow, impressive. I was just, I was just was swinging good. that. Okay, now, after the break, I'm going to be doing some young Frankenstein. God help us. What well, lovely knockers. Jo- <laughs> Joining us via the phone, he was he was supposed to be in studio, uh, but due to mechanical reasons, uh, he's joining us for a few minutes uh, via the phone. Uh, Keith Hayes, who uh, has a, a, a podcast, he's a host of The Booth, heard Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. on hoobazoo.com. Mr. Hayes, how are you? How's it going, guys? What's going on? So I, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen. Uh, right now, we're just kind of... We've already kind of ticked down talking about uh, the Hamlin injury and how it had an effect on the game on uh, Sunday between the Pats and the uh, the Bills to even talking about the playoff structure. Um, I don't know if, what you want to weigh in on, but uh, have at it. Yeah, you know, I think the Hamlin thing has been talked about by everybody and everyone. Yep. There's really not much that I could add to that. Um, as far as this playoff scenario goes, um you know, I, I'm pretty excited for this this playoff season to begin. Um, we've got some new blood in there, and you know, I'm really looking forward to see some of these you know these long time matchups. And we've got some you know no, some new quarterbacks in this battle. Um, I'm really excited to see what the Chargers are going to do. Get it in there, and you know, Miami sneaks in, and you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. But let's see what they can do. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited to see where we're headed this weekend. Um, I, I think it's going to be wild and crazy, just like the free agency season was this year. I think that's what we're looking to see. A frenzy, huh? Yeah, I, I think I, th- I don't think everybody's a sure thing like they are. I, I think this season spells everything out, and I think the playoffs are going to be the exact same way. So while while I have you on, have you on the line, I'll give everybody else kind of a chance. Who's your favorite in the AFC, Matt? Favorite in the AFC. I think Joe Burrow was absolutely right 
when in a press conference he said that the Bengals championship window is his entire career. Uh, I'll take the Bengals. Wow. Why is that? There's just there's too much pure talent. Yeah, they've, they've got, you know, I feel that every team that kind of goes on a run, there's a little bit of luck. And then there's, there's um, when you're winning, building on each win, and they have that. Now, now that being said, there's been certain moments in time, right? New York in 2001 after 9-11. Yeah. The Patriots and uh, the Patriots, the Red Sox in 13 after the marathon bombing, where there's been that moment in time where something happens to that city and they or or to that team and they just go on a magical run that's never been seen before in history. So the Bills might have that. Hmm. Brendan. You know what? I'm going to stick with Kansas City. I'll, up until basically two weeks ago, I was all in on Buffalo. I said on this on these airwaves countless times, if Buffalo doesn't win the Super Bowl this year, they're never going to win it. They've already had their first error. They lost four straight. Now it's their second chance here. They don't uh, come through. I don't think they're going to win one ever, but I'm leaning Kansas City. I feel like Buffalo just isn't there mentally. Things got shaken up a little bit. But I think they'll meet in the AFC Championship. Yeah, I think we can all agree that the AFC is haves and have-nots. Mm-hmm. And the haves are obvious. It's 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 Kansas City, it's Buffalo, it's Cincinnati. Then there's a huge drop-off. And I, yeah, I'm I'm with you, my man. I I Matt, I I like uh I like Cincinnati to to go back again, you know, and it's 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 hard to the the record of teams that lose a Super Bowl is dismal. They they generally don't bounce back, but I I like what this team does, and I I think outside of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase is the biggest game changer in in the NFL, and he's just impossible to cover. It, it's funny you say that because you know if you looked at it, you would think that uh, the Rams would have had 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 that bounce back. They finished five and twelve. It's almost as though they were sipping on the Bengals Kool Aid, and you know somehow the magic in uh, the the Rams Kool Aid is being ingested by the Bengals. Um, Keith, your thoughts? Well, you know, I'm I'm really liking KC. I really liked the Bengals last year. Um, I, I'm expecting to see this matchup again. Um, when you talk about that emotion. And those, those stories, like with Buffalo, and, you know, we talk about the Red Sox. Don't forget, we also have the New Orleans Saints coming off the flood, the Katrina flood. They also took home the Super Bowl. Um, you know, these, these stories of emotion can carry teams. But I don't, I don't see it. Buffalo squeaked past a few teams this year. Uh, the Bengals look really strong. I like, I like Joe Burrow. Um, I think this time if they match up against Casey, I think the Bengals beat them on the NFC side. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to hear what you guys say before I get my thoughts on that. But right now, I'm, I'm liking the Bengals. I'm going to say I'm going to say the Bills. I, I think that the Bills. I think they're going to ride the high of Hamlin and what has happened. And you know, the, you know the the Allen to Diggs combination, and knowing that he has so many weapons, I can see it. I, I actually can see it, them being it being a fantastic. Um, matchup between the Bills and uh, Kansas City. I just feel that that the Bengals going to be on the outside, uh, looking in, looking on the other side. There's some. There are some good teams uh, in the NFC. The 49ers look fantastic. They're on a a Patriot-esque 2001 run with a rookie QB and a hell of a defense. Mister Irrelevant, no less. All right. You know. Uh, and uh, you know. What's, let's see if it motivates him for the next 20 years. 
but you also have Philly, you have Dallas, Minnesota, Minnesota. Who I, I kind of feel like they've kind of like, come back just, to earth a little bit. Come back to earth a little bit. They always do. They always do. And then you've had Tom Brady, who you know what? If he beats Dallas this weekend, watch out. Could he go on a run? We'll start. I, with, we'll start with Keith. Yeah, I, I, you know what? As much as we want to impose this magical Tom Brady, I, I I have this feeling they're lucky to be where they are right now mm-hmm. to begin with. I don't see them getting past Dallas. I think Dak Prescott knows what needs to be done. I think Dallas knocks them out in the first round this year. Um, I think it's off to the <laughs> pasture for Tom Brady for this weekend. Ooh. All right. Uh, okay. Jerry. We, we can all agree that the Patriots' offense struggled for the most part this year, right? There were yes. very few moments of... They scored significantly more points than Tampa did. It's true. Like, Brady statistically had... With an all-star the, team. Yes, had the, the worst season of his career. And, you know, yeah, went 8-9, and, and it's only because of some weird geography that he, he's even in there. And I, I think... I'm, I'm with you, Keith. I think... We're going to look back and say, this was his bridge too far. Like, he should have just walked off the field at the end of last year, a hero. Yes, his defense couldn't make a stop at the end, and, you know, and, and uh, the, the, the Rams beat them. But he had come that, you know, made that miracle come back. He's going to regret this one. I, I don't see them having a shot. Does he regret it as much as Aaron Rodgers? That's the other question for you guys. Yeah, although I get the feeling with Aaron Rodgers that he's not really capable of human emotions, so I don't know if regret is really in his. Yeah, yeah, he's bought. Yeah, he's a he's a he's, he's an odd bot. cat, man. You know, he's he's definitely out there. So all right, so Keith, who did, Keith, who did you pick to, to in the NFC to to, to to be in the Super Bowl? In the Super Bowl, yeah, I'm I'm liking the Eagles. I'm I'm feeling the Eagles this year. Is that I your think son talking or you? You talking to me? Yeah, is that is that Terrell talking or is that you? Oh, you mean Ty? Ty's my old Ty. Ty, 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 yeah, yeah. Terrell's the Chargers fan. Oh, okay. No, I, I I went to I went to see the Eagles with him uh, preseason this year last year. Um, they really looked solid at that time. They look they're the team to beat right now. Um, San Fran scares me. Minnesota scares me. But right now, that Brock Purdy. And that San Fran offense and defense, they scare me. They worry me. But I, I think the Eagles can pull this out. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Keith on, on this one, and I and I hate saying it. Uh, like, the fact that these words are formed in my mouth is like poison. And I want to spit them out because I, I hate the Eagles with the white-hot intensity of a million pizza ovens. Um <laughs> But I hate so many of these teams in, in that conference. I, I, uh, San Fran would be fun, but I, I just don't know if they're, they're really quite put together the way uh, Philly is. And okay. the, the bye week and the home field is... But yeah. what, about, what about Jalen Hurts being... He's, and he's still... That shoulder's still bothering him. He yeah, is still... Fair, fair point. And they, they did sort of let the foot off the gas a little bit. Weren't they the last team in the league to, to lose? Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um... But I'll tell you right now, if it's the Giants, then I'm just going to change my name and just wander the earth like like Kane and Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Like I, I can't live in a world where the Giants go back to the Super Bowl. Um, Brendan. See, this one's a little bit harder to handicap, I think, mm-hmm. because all these teams can easily lose a game as easily as they could win one, I think. Um, and the big matchup I'm watching is the Dallas-Tampa game, because I think that could completely throw off how things shake out. But 
If I were to guess, I would say Philly and San Fran eventually meet in the championship. And I'm going to pick Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers to pull off the upset. I think the Eagles Ooh. are dealing with some injuries here. That's just my Love thought it. here. I think my original pick would have been Dallas, actually. But lately they've been struggling, and we saw it even worse this past weekend against Washington. And scorned handicapper Matt Mad Dog Nelson. <laughs> Death taxes the Dallas Cowboys blowing it in the wild card round of the playoffs. <laughs> Tampa will win one game and then get blown out in the divisional round. Uh, as far as who's going to the Super Bowl, um, I'm, I'm just I'm still shocked that LSU wasn't able to lure Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson one year sooner because they could have run four straight national championships for the, for the LSU Tigers, um, the the original super team. But I think. I mean, with the with Mr. Irrelevant, the 49ers are, are dangerous, but I think that magic's going to wear off and some of the mistakes will start to come through. Mm. He does have the all-star team with, uh, with McCaffrey. He's got a great offensive line, so he's got time to throw the ball. Um, but whoever comes out of the NFC, they're, I, I think they're just going to get absolutely murdered by the Cincinnati Bengals. Really? <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm thinking I like the 49ers as well, and I think the one thing that you guys left out is their fantastic defense. They got a hell of a defense with Bosa. It's it's a pretty good defense. And an offense yeah. where you could plug in an average quarterback or Mr. Irrelevant and he can still have a lot of success. Yeah, it's almost can, like Baltimore two thousand. Can you still wrap your brain around the fact that they invested three picks, three first round picks, to move up to get a guy and He's to on, the number three. Shelf, yeah. yeah, and they just They're talking have, about moving on. They have no use for him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like they, they couldn't start him as a rookie. They stuck with Jimmy G, and now they've got this guy who's like the absolute consolation prize who's playing circles. Or, like, it's just, it makes no sense. If they get bounced out of the playoffs, you can understand why ownership would just go, I'm sorry, we got to fire you. Like, this is a fireable offense that you spent three first round picks for a guy who, we can't, who can't see the field and we don't want, and you're winning with this other Jamoke. Let's do this. Let's let's take a break, and when we come back, um, we can do one of two things. We can take your Super Bowl pick, who's going to win the Super Bowl, or you can give your thoughts on the Patriots' 2022 season and some of the changes that need to be made. Hold your answers. That's called a tease in the business, folks. We're going to step aside. You are tuned in to Monday Night Talk here at 95.9 WATV. Don't go anywhere. is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Invest your time in listening to Cape Retirement Radio and learn a smarter approach to investing so you can protect your future. Cape Retirement Radio featuring Chris Latond Thursday nights at 6.15 and Sunday mornings at 10 on 95.9 WATD. What is AA? Alcoholics Anonymous is an international fellowship of people who have had a drinking problem. It is non-professional and self-supporting. AA is multiracial, apolitical, and available almost everywhere. There are no age or education requirements. Membership is open to anyone who wants to do something about their drinking problem. For more information, literature, and videos about Alcoholics Anonymous, and to find a meeting near you, visit AA.org. Alcoholics Anonymous has a solution.
Find Monday Night Talk on Facebook and share your opinions. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. All right. We're back. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD. And uh, we're here with an all-star lineup. I, do we still have Mr. Hayes on, on the line? Yes, I'm still here. All right. So we got uh, Keith Hayes, um, podcast host for The Booth. We get the Mad Dog, Matt Nelson, um, as well as uh, Boston Herald and WATD Sports. Uh, Brendan Conley, and writer for Ballstool Sports, author of Darkness to Dynasty, as well as Six Rings, Jerry Thornton. Uh, gentlemen, have you decided as to what direction we should go in? Should we Super Bowl picks, or do we want to get to the meat and potatoes and talk about the Patriots season? I, my vote is uh, a post-mortem on, on the Patriots. You know, I want to go full-on Richard Dreyfus and Jaws. The torso was severed in mid-thorax. There is a massive tissue loss and a partially denuded bone. Do not smoke in here, please. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's all still very, very... This was no boating accident. I'm sorry. It's still very fresh in my, in my mind. How do we all? How do we feel about the, the Patriots season? I mean, was it was it that demoralizing? Was it that frustrating to see? How many times do we see uh, Mac Jones drop back only to have a bunch of defensive linemen, you know, tackle him for a 15-yard loss? Something we used to see the Patriots defense do on a regular occasion to um, the Patriots opponents. If if I may take this briefly, um, it, it was that. But it was also, you, you mentioned this is the kind of thing we used to see from their opponents. It's the self-owns. It's, it's the, the own goals. Like, how many times they stepped on a rake? You know, I, I, like, I compared this game yesterday to, like, the whole season. It was, remember the part in The Naked Gun where O.J. goes on the boat and they shoot him up and he, like, puts his hand on a hot stove and he leans into some wet paint and then he puts his face in a cake and then he falls overboard. That was the Patriots this year. Like, the lack of situational awareness, the dumb errors. I mean, the the absolute low light was Jacoby Myers throwing the ball 30 yards back upfield to Chandler Jones, but that was kind of indicative of the whole thing. And then yesterday to, to you know, two, um, you know, kickoff returns. For touchdowns, to the point where Nick Folk bounced one out of bounds and Buffalo took over at the 40. I'm going, thank you. Like, I would have just had him kicking it sideways into the upper deck just to, to give him the 40 because I don't want to see another one of these. And it was just it, what used to be uncharacteristic of them became characteristic this year. I mean, two, you know, kickoff, you know, touch touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought I heard on another sports talk radio show today that that hasn't happened since 2010. There you go. Because the league has tried to outlaw that stuff, like yeah. we said earlier. And and um, the, the Cincinnati game, where they get back in the game with a position to win, and their best Patriot player of 2022 leaves the ball on the ground in the red zone. Ramondre Stevenson, and again, you just sat there, and by that point, like, this is who they are. This is what they do. So that's Denny the Green. frustration. 
exactly who we thought they were. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think frustrating is the perfect adjective to describe this whole season in general. Just look at the last seven games. They went five, or two and five, just struggling, and they lost a couple of them based on one horrific play, most notably the uh, the Vegas game, as we all know. Uh, Jacoby Myers throws a Hail Mary pass right to Chandler Jones. He brings it back for a touchdown. Think about it. You uh, just take that game to overtime, win it, you're probably in. Mm. You're in. Or just look at the Cincy game. Stevenson does it. Fumble down at the goal line. You win it. Well, what's it that he fought? Forward progress should have been called. He didn't fumble. It got punched out, but there was nobody there. I mean, they were. He was surrounded. They had the same play uh, yesterday. Uh, that the Bengals were able to jump on. I forget who the wide receiver was, um, but they were able to punch the ball out and, and take it away from you know the opponent. That's what just what they did. They got a good defense. They're instinctive, and they punched the ball out. It's fair. You know what I mean? It, you play until the whistle. That's what that's what they're taught. I, Matt? I, I don't know what Bill Belichick's... Uh, it, it's almost as if he's allergic to the word coordinators. Um, <laughs> I think that would have made a, a big difference, having one person on each side of the ball. And God, don't get me started on the offensive coaching staff. Uh, I, but you have I'd to worry about that. When Gerard Mayo oh, goes to the Browns, then he's, it's going to solve gonna your, your for the defensive yes. staff. I mean, having a defensive coordinator calling plays for the offense was a horrible decision. He was a rocket scientist, didn't you know that? Well, well he I, was a Harvard I, educated, right? Go ahead, uh, Keith. Rensselaer. Rensselaer. Yeah. RPI. Yeah. Keith, go ahead. So, so here's the thing that everybody is going back and forth over, and, and, and I, I called this. I called this back day one, and a lot of people didn't pay attention to this, and this all started during the draft of last year. Here's the deal. I picked this team to go 8-9 from day one, and they went 8-9, number one. Number two, when Mac Jones was drafted, there was this whole discussion about Bill O'Brien leaving Alabama and coming here as the offensive coordinator to get him right. This year, when preseason started, and everybody seems to forget this story, that Bill O'Brien was supposed to be here as offensive coordinator, but Nick Saban wasn't letting him leave this season, which put Bill Belichick in a weird position. It was around week two of preseason that the media around here knew that Bill O'Brien wasn't coming, and they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and asking Belichick who was going to be named the offensive coordinator because everybody knew that Bill O'Brien wasn't coming here so he could help develop Mac Jones in his second year. Bill Belichick played this game and decided, you know what, I'm not naming an offensive coordinator. I'm going to let Judge, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia split the duties. And then by week four, we realized that this ain't happening because Joe Judge and Matt Patricia were at each other's throats by week four. By week four, Bill made the decision to just let Patricia handle the job, and Patricia didn't work well with with Matt Jones. And you have a defensive coordinator who was horrible in Detroit, calling offensive plays, and has the Patriots at the lowest offensive season that we've seen in the longest time. This is no surprise to me as to how this season went. It falls solely on Bill Belichick at the fact that he wasn't able to get Bill O'Brien like he thought he was going to get from Alabama. What's probably going to happen now is that Bill O'Brien will come from Alabama and he will be here to help 
Mac Jones develop in his third year, and we're going to see a better Mac Jones in year three. So, but this whole thing falls on Belichick, and if everybody was paying attention, you saw this coming last year when Mac Jones was drafted, and the rumors about Bill O'Brien coming here with him was there. Go ahead, Matt. Let's, let's not forget here that Matt Patricia's last game was defensive coordinator. His defense gave up 500 yards of total offense and 44 points in the Super Bowl to the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. To, to, to Nick Foles. To, to Nick Foles <laughs> yep. and the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know what allured Bill Belichick to bring him back after seeing how much he's failed. I think the answer is in your first point, which is he didn't label them coordinators. Yeah. Well, but they're also they're also still drawing checks from yep. their respective. They are and from the respective last jobs because they're under contract, and that's why I think Patricia, since he has one more year of cost control being paid by Detroit, I think he actually stays. He'll, and they he'll be an O lineman. He'll be an O lineman. An yeah. O lineman coach. O lineman yeah. coach. Or they stick him up top where Ernie Adams used to be, like he originally was. I think he stays around. I think Joe Judge stays around too because I believe he's still got a year or two. I, I would I would put him in charge of special teams. <laughs> Like, yes, remember, remember that special, job? You were good at that. You know I was going to say, like, special enough, teams coach might uh, not survive. Enough of this Peter Principle thing where you rise to the level of your incompetence. Like, let's put him back where where he belongs. And, um, yeah, I, part of the reason I think Belichick doesn't like to name guys coordinators is because then they immediately get hired by somebody else. So, yeah, they're stolen like, away. But what he should do is just kind of lean into that and do kind of a rope-a-dope or something and just say, uh, my dog Nike is our new co- coordinator. <laughs> and then within days it's going to be, the New York Jets announced their new head coach, Nike the dog. The, the Alaskan, whatever he is, Malamud or whatever. Um, but, I, look, I agree with Keith 100% everything he said, with the exception of I believed in Matt Patricia. Well, if, maybe I didn't believe in Matt Patricia so much as I believed in Belichick's belief in him. <clears throat> but Bill O'Brien seemed like the no-brainiest, if that's a word, of no-brainers ever. Like, just perfect. He knows this system. He's run it before to a high level. And he's been in Alabama, not coaching Mac Jones directly, but there's a little bit of overlap there time-wise. It just seemed like the perfect situation because he knows this. Instead, they tried to install a new offense, and then they clearly backed off of installing that new offense. And there were just too many moving parts. And here's an idea. Matt, Patricia, you know, you're a genius and you were designing submarines and stuff. Get a play call in before the clock runs down to three seconds. You know what I mean? How many um, delay of games were there? How many uh, timeouts did they burn because, like, the, the, the you, clock you was about to run out? you got to let the process of rock, paper, scissors play out first before you call. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they have to have, like, a Zoom call to decide what to do on sure. third and two. I will say this. Next year's special teams coordinator absolutely should be Matthew Slater. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, a thousand percent. Absolutely. I mean, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather have him as a team captain, but based on his emotional reaction to the end of that game, I, you're absolutely Do you, do you right. think Slater and McCourty are done? Yeah, it sure seems like it. In fact, I, there was a good chance that they were going to be done after last year. Thank goodness that they that they didn't. But it's it, sure. th- that's going to be tough. It, David Andrews' reaction said it all at his press game podium when some uh, post game podium when somebody asked him about it. And he just like Broke burst down. into tears. That was, I mean, 
Jeez. A lot of times when a guy cries, it gets me like right here from laughing really hard. Mm. Um, but in that case, like we were all David Andrews in that moment. We're all assuming here that Bill O'Brien, Billy O'Brien is back. I, you know, I've heard different things that he may not be back. But, you know, the biggest fear of why he wasn't brought in isn't necessarily Nick Saban, but the fear that Billy would do one year, he'd be one and done and he'd be off. Head coach of, you know, one of the four jobs that are open right now with Arizona. Shouldn't that uh, be more incentive to bring him in? Because that means Denver. He, he did a good job. I think he's heir apparent. If, if, I think in this situation, I think what's going on behind closed doors, I think that he wants to make sure that he's heir apparent to Bill Belichick that he's going to take over these reins. Now, Kraft has announced that, you know, they're going to make this critical evaluation and make some type of announcement. I think the best plan of action is you bring Bill O'Brien in, he's your OC, and then Belichick can go off. Because all these people out here calling for Belichick to be fired, you're idiots. You're all idiots. This, yeah. You're not going to fire Belichick after bringing... You know, six Super Bowls here. You got to bring them to the front office. But, but Keith, I think, and I could be wrong. I think the reason why, as Matt Nelson calls him, Joshy McScreenpass, has <laughs> moved on to the Raiders, was do you not remember that time that um, Josh was oh so close to being the HC of the dreaded Indianapolis Colts, and then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, all of a sudden, he's got his staff all place. Nah, I don't want the job. I suspect, I could be wrong, that he was going to be the heir apparent. And that it just, it, it just it lingered on and on. And Josh's like, oh, this is never going to happen. I'm never going to get my chance. Yeah, if, you're, if your game plan to become a, a head coach is to be Belichick's you know, right-hand man and hope he retires, I, I, I hope you like, you know, are, are patient because he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. My, my theory on Belichick is that he's going to... Um, leave his corporeal form, turn into a form of pure energy, and then inhabit a younger body and then continue to coach the Patriots. Would that really be Stevie Belichick? No, wait. Um, oh. I, would take that, I would take that. You ever hear that man talk? Give us Close your eyes and you just go. It's the that, same guy. That's Bill. Oh, my gosh. Like, Or he does a spot-on Bill Belichick uh, impression. I, I, but, but I My theory the on McDaniels going to the Raiders. <laughs> with a mullet. Yeah. yeah. But my theory on McDaniels going to the Raiders is that he is yet another guy that Belichick sends in there as like a fifth column. Like he's a double <laughs> agent that he sends in there to ruin another team like he did with Romeo Crennel and Charlie Weiss and like uh, you know eventually Eric Mangini like he sends these guys uh, Nick Casario ruining the Texans this is the, <laughs> this is his genius to like go and, and destroy Jack these... with the Texans too I'm he was a Patriots guy. Jack Easterby. Right. Perfect. The team chaplain. He was like the morality coordinator, and he ends up running a, a, a franchise into the ground. And I think that's Belichick's thing. It's like, okay, now you can return to the fold. <laughs> just like Patricia did, and just like, you know, come the spy who came in from the cold, Joe Judge, you're done destroying the, the Giants. Come back, and we'll make you the tight ends coach, or whatever the hell he is. The quarterbacks coach. All right, well, so, all right, so we've determined that this staff uh, changes are going to be needed when it comes to the staff itself. Yes. Whether, you you know, you have a uh, someone who's going to be your offensive coordinator. It's a must, and it can't be the guy who used to coach the defense. Just because you had a flash in the pan, I mean, they weren't too bad the past two weeks. 
but it still wasn't this. It wasn't up to par as to what we're accustomed to seeing. Hey, from we, we saw Buffalo's punter saw him three times. Wow. I was like, wow, I didn't even know they had one. Like he he <laughs> basically he's basically been working remotely during the Patriots games the last uh, <laughs> year or so. So that was, that was thrilling right there. But yeah, you're right. Uh, but this. The Matt Patricia experiment, I think we can all agree, is well, over. Well, so let's talk personnel. I, I mean, there are going to be, and there's been jokes about Nelson Aguilar and helping him to the airport. Who do you want to see hmm. back this year uh, for, for 2023? And who do you want to say, hey, listen, good luck to, the, to whoever you end up signing with? I, I would love to see Gerard Mayo go into a defensive coordinator role. I yep. don't think it's going to happen because... I think on the defensive side of the ball, there's the Browns. The Browns have already asked to talk to him. Um, the the main thing that needs to change next year, besides the garbage pile that was the offensive line, is Mac Jones needs to learn how to make a decision in like under seven seconds. But the thought is, is that they really they really dumbed down this the the playbook that didn't let him play to his strengths, which was his mind. I've seen that written a couple of different times, that this kid's pretty smart, but when you're trying to... And the other thing is, is when you've got receivers who are taking all bleeping day to get to get down the field, you know, he's okay back there for three or four seconds. If it's taking you 15 seconds, your guy's already on his back, and you're already back 10 yards. Well, yeah, Romo pointed out a play yesterday where... He goes, he, you know, hits the top of his drop, and there's a blitz, and they're sending extra guys, and he freeze frames it, and the receivers don't have the heads turned. Like, hot route. Hot route. It's the oldest concept in football. Like, it, it was invented five minutes after the blitz, and they're not being coached to turn around, and you're the guy that's going to be there when they, they blitz. So, I, I think Jones's problems are... The vast majority of them this year were coaching and not him himself. But I'm I'm on Team Mac. Like when it comes to him, um, I'm an easy no, zappy guy. Yeah, um, I I don't. Zappy I, I'm I'm an easy blank when it comes to him. I don't want to say this in, on the WATD airways, you. but you know where I'm, I'm I know going you know. with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Nelson. <laughs> I I would also like to see like an actual bona fide top receiver. Oh, you gotta pay him. You do. You gotta pay him. What else? But do again, you, have, have what do you keep though? Is there anybody you would that? keep? Do you want to keep? Um, you know, you you got a running back that's going to be a free agent, Damian Harris. Damian Harris. Do you do you want to let the one the one guy who who caught what eight hundred yards worth of of balls walk just because he was uh, uh, you know um, an undrafted free agent? I, I like the running backs. I like the tandem of Stevenson and and Damian Harris. I think. Harris could be a much bigger threat out of the backfield, like a, almost in a. Um, oh, see, I'm gonna now I'm gonna have the brain fart. Um, James White, yep, similar to to his role the last couple of years, primary slot receiver. Mm. Um, well, I like Kendrick Bourne. I just wish he didn't get into a pissing contest with the offensive yeah, coaching I, staff early in the season. I, I will say this: I think I think Harris is ultimately replaceable. He's been good, but they can always find another. I, I I have a generic name for these guys, like a, a Ben Jonas, Green, Blunt, or whatever. You can always just find some guy. Ramondre Stevenson must keep for sure, and he's yeah. still under contract. 
Jacoby Myers, yes, I would love to keep him. If it's a bidding war, uh, maybe not. He's, he's nobody's idea of a number one. He's not fast, but he's been but pressed he's, he's into being number one duty. They, yeah. And I, I think that they drafted Pierre Strong to be the next James yep. White. But that position, if you look at it historically, always needs a couple of years to develop. Like James White himself was brought in to replace Shane Vereen, but it right. took about three years for him to really be good. Vereen was brought in to replace Kevin Falk, and, and that, that just kind of that position is complex. There's a lot of moving parts. The amazing thing is that Stevenson is as good as a, re- a receiving uh, back as he is, because I thought he was just a big bruiser, but... That guy's got hands, and he knows how to run route concepts, and like he's he's huge. I think their number one priority this offseason is tackle. Mm-hmm. I was also going to say they're set to lose some guys in the secondary. Jonathan Jones, I don't see them bringing him back. He's up there in age at 29. He's um, he's made seven million this past season. He's I, don't old. Think, I don't think he's coming back. Uh, but w- what about Juwan Williams? Is that a guy you want for depth? No, no? you want to let him go? No, oh dear been, lord, no. no he's been no. On, hasn't he been on the uh, on the injured reserve? Listen, I, I, yeah. all, all I can remember from last year's playoff game was him with Devin Singletary running past him like he was like standing <laughs> still. And Josh Allen just said, this is going to be the easiest pitching catch of my entire career. And Williams, uh, I, if you look at the next-gen stats, like animation of it, it's just he ran right past him. I'm done with that guy. I like the two Joneses, like we mentioned, the Those two, the two rookie Joneses. Um, What's up with Jack? The suspension. Well, we'll talk. We'll give Keith a chance because we got two minutes left here. Yeah. Keith, quickly, uh, who would you want to uh, keep? Who you want to get rid of? Real quick, real quick. I'm just going to tell you, Cam Acorn got to get fired. Yep. Special teams coach. I've been calling for that since week six. Yes. Special teams coach gone. Um, Nelson Aguilar, my son, Tyreek. I feel your pain. <laughs> Don't throw it to Stone Hands. Aguilar gone. I like this wide receiving core, and I think if you have a true offensive coordinator, I think Devontae Parker, I think Terry uh, Ty, Ty, Thornton, I think these guys will Shine. relish under a good OC. Um, and other than that, the running backs are solid. Uh, Stevenson, you got to keep him. Hopefully we can keep Harris. And, um, you know, the, the running backs have been a strong core, but real, that, uh, that's what I can give you real quick. Brady's a, um, a free agent. Does Brady? Where does Brady go? Does he come back to the Patriots? Jerry, quick. I don't want uh, this Tom Brady, the one that takes eleven days off in training camp and has Wednesdays off. If it's the old Tom Brady, maybe. But I'm I'm on Team Mac all the way. Keith. Yeah, Tom Brady's got a TV contract here too. I don't think he's I don't think he's coming back. If he comes back here, it's one day to retire, one day as a Patriot, and get his bonus money from the NFL Players Union, and that's it. I'm here for Mac Jones. I want to see what he can do with a true offensive coordinator like Bill O'Brien. Brendan? I don't see him coming back here. If he does play, it's going to be in a place like either San Fran. If they let Purdy go back to the second string for some reason or Vegas or Miami, that's my guess. Tom Brady is going to stay on the run from the nursing home (laughs) until he is allowed to play one season with the San Francisco 49ers. Excellent. Great job. Guys, thank you so much. Keith, thank you for calling in. And, hey, until next week at 6.15 p.m., you guys have a great evening.
FM Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 959WATD.com. And with your smart speaker, just by saying play WATD. 